Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The word of God from our epistle found in Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is God's work. One of the buzzwords of Advent is repent. And one of the principal characters of Advent is John the Baptist, who comes proclaiming repentance preaching a baptism of repentance. John the Baptist makes people uncomfortable. He certainly made the crowds uneasy, set them on edge, got them questioning the way they were doing things, the way they were approaching life. He upset people. And that's what repentance does. It upsets things. It challenges the status quo, says that things cannot continue the way they are. And for that, it makes us uncomfortable. On the one hand, it shouldn't because that's part and parcel of who we are as Christians, that we repent. Luther famously in the first of his 95 theses, and you've probably heard me quote this numerous times, said that the whole Christian life is a life of repentance, a life of turning away from sin. Daily, the Christian should be about repenting, turning away from what is evil and wicked in the sight of God. And that can bother us. It often does. We have no problem admitting that we're sinners. Every one of us is totally okay doing that. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I say it every week. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Yeah, you can can number me with the sinners, no doubt. Repentance, though, forces you to come face to face with those things in your life that are not pleasing to God, that are a sin, that are a disease, that corrupt you, that kill you. So if I were to say to you on any given Sunday, you are a sinner, do you believe this? Every one of us will say, yes, absolutely, I'm a sinner. Count me among them. But what if I say, you're a gossip, do you believe that? Or you're in a relationship that is apart from God's design. You're an adulterer. Or you are overcome by greed and jealousy. I'm not speaking that to anyone in particular. But again, you get if I were. 
oh, that's, that's a different thing. Then self-justification comes in. Oh, no, no, I have a very good reason for why I'm holding on to my pet sin. I have a very good justification for why I am wrapped up in this lifestyle or in this vice or in this thing that God has forbidden. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. And that makes people, it makes us, uncomfortable. Notice how John is preaching to to people in their different stations. He preaches, first of all, to the crowds. It says that he said to the crowds, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. And that's more specific. The tax collectors says that they came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And John says to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Says the soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation. Be content with your wages. You see, every one of us, whether we're a tax collector, a soldier, a a pastor, a clerk in a store, a teacher, a retiree, a unemployed person, a mother or a father, a grandmother or a grandfather, um, someone who's childless, someone who's single, someone who's widowed, someone who's rich, someone who's poor, no matter where we're at, we all have various things that are tempting us in our stations, in our callings, in our vocations. And God works repentance in us so that we will look at how God wants me to behave, how he wants me to serve him, how he wants me to be obedient in those callings. And when I see where I am doing wrong, where I am in error, where I am slave to wickedness, God calls me to turn away. God works repentance in me. You know, the things that tempt me in my callings aren't necessarily the things that will tempt you in your callings. Satan's good and crafty at what he does. And he has a custom-made plan for each and every one of us to tempt us to sin. Advent makes us uncomfortable. Repentance makes us uncomfortable. Because John the Baptist makes us uncomfortable. St. Paul, on the other hand, in our epistle, is joyful. He begins his letter to the Philippians expressing his gratitude, his thankfulness, and his joy for these people of God. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is joyful at what God had been doing there among the Philippians, how they had become partners of his in the gospel. 
But that's not all that makes Paul joyful and thankful. He then goes on to say, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is not just thankful and joyful about what God had already done among the Philippians. He was thankful and joyful about what God was continuing to do among the Philippians, and especially in what the Philippians would be when all was said and done on the day of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord, the last day, judgment day. Now, what in the world does all of this have to do with John the Baptist and repentance? Repentance is the good work of God that is made complete on the day of Jesus Christ. You see, when we repent of our sins, we acknowledge that the status quo is not good enough. Who I am now is not what God wants me to be. But God is making me to be something that will be complete on the day of Jesus Christ. Every one of us is a work in progress. Every one of us should not be content with who we are right now and what we are right now in this moment patting ourselves on the back for the lives we are living now. Repent. Turn from sin. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed you, and God is making you to be something that is yet to be revealed. I'm reminded as we think of what we will be on the last day of a dear saint in Christ from the very first church I served in Garrison, Minnesota. This dear saint's name was June Cobbs. June was a sassy little thing, a widow in our congregation. She loved to give it to me on all sorts of different things. And I'll never forget, well, she was the one who told me that when I said I didn't drink coffee, she said I would when I grew up. I must be grown up now because now I drink coffee. On one day in Bible study, we were talking about the joy of the resurrection, the joy of the last day, and how our bodies will be made perfect and glorious. On the last day, we will be like Jesus is. Our bodies will be perfect. And June, I'll never forget, says to me, on the last day, I'm hoping... For tall. Because June stood about five feet tall, and next to me, she really, really felt short. I don't know if tall is in the cards or not, but St. Paul goes on to describe what it means to be made complete and perfect. God's work in us on the last day. 
Towards the end of our text, he says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God's work in us is that we are to be pure and blameless when Jesus Christ returns on his day, the last day. We are to be filled, Paul says, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You see, my fellow redeemed in Jesus, my fellow baptized in Jesus, having been put into Jesus, we are being made into what Jesus is. Holy, perfect, pure, and blameless children of God. In Christ. That is how God looks at you. In Christ. That is what God is making you into. His work. Made perfect and complete. On the day of Jesus. That's why. Of all things. The Christian. Face to face with repentance. Can find joy. Repentance. Is where God makes us into. What we will be. When all is said and done. On the last day. Don't hang on. To this life. And this world. And the things that you think are of importance here and now. Look to what God is making you into by looking to Christ. Look upon his cross and his blood which covers you in his righteousness and is how God is making you into what you will be for all eternity. Every one of us is a work in progress. Every one of us has reason to look at the life we live here on earth and say, I have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And yet God in his grace turns us away from our sin works repentance in us and holds before us Jesus Christ. He holds Jesus before you today. His blood removes your sin and your guilt. The Holy Spirit, he's gifted to you in your baptism, works in you to prepare you for what you will be when all is said and done pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The joy of this season, it's not the manufactured joy that comes from seeing the Christmas tree finally up or wreaths hanging in the church or hearing Christmas music on the radio dial or seeing all the Christmas sales in the stores. That's not the joy of this season. The joy is that God is working in you.
and his work will not stop until all is said and done and we stand with our Lord Jesus Christ and reign with him in his kingdom, made perfect and made fulfilled. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.